Welcome to Casey Corner, episode 104, with special guest Charlie Woodward. The boss is out of town, so it's just us two in the in the studio today. Yeah, try to, uh, I guess, make up for him being absent, right? Yeah, exactly. He's just taking way too much time off. He's going to see his uh, little grandchildren last week. He's up in Atlanta, I think, this week, so yeah. he's a traveling man. Well, and I'm not... I'm not sure about that because, I mean, you know, pastors only work on Sundays anyway. So yeah, that's like true. That's true. He claims like Monday's is off day, but yeah. really it's 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 the whole day. Maybe a little Saturday <laughs> night to get ready for the sermon, <laughs> but really it's showtime on Sunday. Yeah, you have to exactly. show out, have the personality ready to go. Um, but I know we've had you on probably about a month or two ago when you first started. So when did you yeah. uh, officially start with King's Chapel? Um... I think it was January. January? Official yeah. start date? I mean, that was the official, like, coming on board as a uh, working on staff, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so how did you, you attended King's Chapel before actually kind of pursuing work with us, and so how did you hear about it, and when did you start coming to King's Chapel? So, uh, one of the, so Mike Osborne, who's the dean of students at RTS, mm-hmm. so he's known Jeff for a long time, and I was serving uh, alongside with Mike at another church doing kind of an internship, and... We were just processing, trying to figure out what was next for us as graduation is coming up. And then when Jeff had reached out to, to Mike, you know, saying, hey, we're, we're potentially looking for somebody to come in. Mike forwarded it to me. He's like, hey, I don't know if you'd be interested in this. So, you know, kind of read over what he had sent us and then looked up King's Chapel, um, talked with Mike about it. And then um, I think I called Jeff. Or may I, no, I think I think Mike. I sent his stuff to Mike. Mike forwarded my information over to Jeff, and then Jeff called me. Mm-hmm. And then he and I talked for about thirty to forty minutes or so, mm-hmm. and um, just enjoyed the conversation. Felt like I could get along with him. So the next step for us was like, hey, let's have let's grab grab some time together. So then uh, Aaron, myself, him, and Katie, we went out to dinner, and honestly, just had a blast. Like, mm-hmm. got to know his story more. Got to know Katie. Got to kind of see how they were and, and get a feel for them. And then so for Aaron and I, I was like, wow, they, I feel like we could, you know, kind of do ministry alongside of them. Um, so let's go visit. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we came and visited the church and that would have been back in September, October, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So first Aaron and I came, uh, worshipped at King's Chapel, enjoyed it, you know, ended up meeting some people. Um, I think... We came back again. I don't remember if it was the first time or second time. And mm-hmm. then uh, Jeff introduced us to, who was it that day? It would have been Caleb and Haiti. Caleb Hedy. and Hetty. <laughs> and um, I think JP mm-hmm. was there. It's kind of a blur. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. A lot of well, Yeah, it's like time. I'm like it, new faces and names. But yeah, so <laughs> we met the family, um, which for Aaron and I was cool because then we could see, you know, how how's his family, you know, what's the dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone we met was just really, um, really friendly, very welcoming. Oh yeah. You know, so we brought the kiddos; they enjoyed it, and then so we just started worshiping for about three months, which made it awkward because it's like you meet people and it's like, hey, how'd you hear about King's Chapel? It's like, yeah, kind of. Well, um, uh, I'm interviewing for. It's like, you know, what do you say? <laughs> They're taking me down for attendance, making sure yeah, I'm showing yeah, up. So. I'm at this interview, but also I enjoy going here just in general. So it made it really weird. It made it it made it awkward during that time because like normally I'd be way more um, forward, just trying to meet people and mm-hmm. get involved, and and you kind of don't know what what's appropriate or how to go about it. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so um, but it was cool. It gave us an opportunity to really get to know the church, get to know the people. So when the when the opportunity was presented in January, it was it was a no brainer. Really, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're we're definitely in. 
and we put you right in with the the young adults group. So yeah. we kind of switch switch off leading the group each week. And how has that been? Kind of getting integrated with the young crazy folk in in here. I, I mean, Aaron and I both really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, I got. I mean, my initial engagement in ministry has always been working with uh, younger generations and myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's true of me or everybody, but like I don't know. Like I, when I view myself, you like you think of yourself. Like, I feel like, and I've had a, a conversation with a few other people, like, you always kind of picture yourself in your mid to late 20s, mm-hmm. like, and you just kind of stay there mentally, and then you look in the mirror, and you're like, that's not the person I remember, because, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's fun, I've really enjoyed the conversations, um, I feel like, uh, like, even last night, just engaging, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's good questions, good conversation, there's a good dynamic with the group, and yeah, yeah really I, I feel, because, I mean, I'm only 25, but... I coach high school baseball, like being around kids and kind of takes you back to that point yeah. in life. Like, oh, I'm, this, I, this is still me. Like, I'm still 15 inside. I'm still 16 <laughs> inside, just like enjoying playing baseball, everything like that. So uh, it's definitely fun being around uh, younger people for yeah. sure. <laughs> so you're in seminary right now, and I want to learn more kind of about that process. What made you choose to go to seminary um, and some what you're studying and everything like that? So what, what was kind of your initial, like, I want to go into seminary? Uh, honestly, it's been a, probably a lifelong desire. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not lifelong, but, you know, ever since coming to faith in Christ, because my, pretty early on in my, in my walk, um, I, I shifted gears and, and transferred to a school called Palm Beach Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So I was a biblical studies major, minor in philosophy. And initially my <laughs> desire was to actually pursue academia. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to kind of go that route, get a doctorate teach etc and then it was through my involvement serving in student ministry and kind of participating in the life of a church that God re- redirected my you know kind of intentions towards ministry versus academics um, but ever since then the desire has been there to you know at some point get go to seminary you know get an MDiv and um, but we just ended up serving in full-time ministry in a number of capacities mm-hmm. so what what started this run, I guess with RTS was when we were living in, we were still living in Jacksonville and then out of the blue, I still remember it. Aaron was in the, in the dining room and she calls me. She's like, Hey, did you know that RTS gives scholarships? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, it's like a, there's a full-time scholarship. Like you can apply. And, uh, she's like, I think you'd get it. And I was like, yeah, probably not. It's really competitive. (laughs) And besides like you have to be a full-time residential student. We live in Jacksonville. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't see how that's going to work. So you fast forward a few years and, you know, God brought about some changes in our life. And so we were trying to figure out, okay, where are we going? What's next? Um, and I spent a, a good while looking looking around, trying to find positions. And then it was like, well, maybe, okay, well, let's give it a go. Maybe it's time for me to, to, to shift gears and go back to school. So I fill out all the stuff and submit it. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. You know, takes I, you back to college. Like you're yeah, applying. Exactly. You're, like, you got, you got like, tryouts for yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, I hope I get some scholarship money. And, I, and then I'm also like, I'm going to be the old dude. Like <laughs> nobody wants the old guy on campus. Like, <laughs> that's not gonna, like, like, look at me. I'm like, I've got more belly fat and gray hair than the rest of these guys who are applying. I'm just, it's not going to happen for me. And, uh, so, but I get, yeah, we start the process and I get the call like, yeah, come down for the visit, you know? And so we go through and, and you know, by God, God blew me away. Like by God's grace, like we were granted uh, the scholarship. And so we were able to, uh, for me, because of that, to, to go full time. 
and uh, so those doors open for us. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm, I'm in my last, my very last class. Mm-hmm. So, and so how does that work? You mentioned that you're studying MDiv, which is short for Masters of Divinity. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you think of Masters like MBA, and how does it work different in seminary and the class schedule, and just what is a Masters of Divinity? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's different in terms of the, it's the way it's structured than any other kind of master's level coursework, mm-hmm. but obviously the focus is going to be on things pertaining to uh, st- stuff that's relevant for pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. So um, pastoral counseling, hermeneutics, languages, um, historical theology, mm-hmm. history of Christianity, um, ethics, Christology, apologetics, you know. So are there other kind of uh, masters or kind of divisions in seminary or is it just a, I know counseling is one of them. Are, are there a bunch of different ones or is it just a few really? So the, the three main, I think, tracks that they have at like, for example, RTS or the MDiv, then they have a master's of theology, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of overlap between that and MDiv. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't think you have to do the languages and maybe a couple other things. And then the counseling is kind of its own track where right. they're, they're, that's more tailored towards individuals who feel uh, called towards specifically biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and there's some overlap, you know, obviously between like in the MDiv program, we had to take like a pastoral counseling class and then in some of the theology classes. So Mm -hmm. they, they, well, I should say the, the students who are in the counseling have to take some of the theology classes, but so there's, there's different kind of tracks, I guess, but um, I think each, each school would probably be different for what, mm-hmm. for what they offer. So, And you mentioned last night in our KC group, you are in a Hebrew class. Now. Did that just start? And, and is it kind of in-class work? How do you study for it? What all are you going through right now? So it's I'm taking the global course. Um, so it's it's the advantage there is it's online. I'm flexible schedule. You know, all my other courses or most of my other courses have been in classroom. But um, so everything's on the computer. Everything's... Uh, kind of self-paced so to speak mm-hmm. you, know, you just have to have it done by the end of the term yep so yeah. do you wait do you wait until like the last three weeks to just hammer it all out oh no or you, you get ahead i okay. have to you... get ahead because <laughs> uh languages have never been a strong suit and if i'm uh, like i hate it i mm-hmm. don't like it at all it's yep. not my it's not my cup of tea i don't enjoy it it's you don't have just a knack for hebrew <laughs> no no and there's some people who do like i had a few classmates oh i love this i was like well god bless you because this freaking sucks i don't like it at all and uh some people just have have a good a good feel for it, and mm-hmm. I, you know it's not a, it's not a strength, you know, but you just kind of press into it mm-hmm. and uh, and and I guess get it done. <laughs> so, so how much time do you have left in your uh, MDiv course load, and uh, is it broken up by classes, semesters? How, how much time do you have left with that? Yeah, they do it by semesters. This I've got so basically today actually is starts week two, mm-hmm. um, so and it's a three month three month semester. Okay. So, and then again, this is, I just have the one class, whereas previously I'd have like averaging four to five classes a semester. So. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we're on the home stretch. Yeah. Yeah. This in is the home like, stretch for sure. Almost done. The, <laughs> the final run. Well, we can transition into gentle and lowly. And like we were talking about, um, Charlie is a part of our young adults KC group. And last night it was chapters 14 and 15, I believe, or 13, and 14, sorry. And the first chapter, um, be entitled why the spirit. And last night talking about how 
um, like viewing the Holy Spirit as a person rather than just like we kind of talked about the force in Star Wars and how it's like actually a person with a personality and kind of the difference in that. And I know that was a big discussion last night and just you kind of expand on that of kind of viewing as a person rather than a force. Yeah. Well, I remember when I first started, you know, reading, reading the New Testament, trying to understand because because for me like didn't really grow up in the church mm-hmm. um i have some memories as a kid so you know as i started reading the new testament um and obviously i'm, I'm all for jesus he's like i'm totally in love with christ and and i started reading i was like well what do you what do you gotta what do you do with the father and what do you do with the spirit and who and so my initial personally my initial kind of assumption was like oh the spirit's kind of like you know the force and i just kind of i literally framed it Kind of within the the Star Wars kind of mm-hmm. understanding of it's it's this it's this thing that's out there and it's working and you know but then uh, and that's really what the study hits at it's like that's not what or who rather the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a person he's the third person of the Trinity the Spirit um, desires and and wills and and intercedes for us mm-hmm. and the Spirit is at work in the world the Spirit is can can be grieved it can mm-hmm. be um uh yeah so it it, it he feels mm-hmm. so there, there's a there's there's a big shift when you when you start thinking of the spirit as a person that we can interact with and that can interact with us and, mm-hmm. you know so it's a it's a definite um at least for me it, it was a a massive shift and and maybe i'm not alone in that mm-hmm well, I know last night we were talking about like before the creation of the world and everything, there was just relationship and love between the triune God. And that and that's like the kind of foundation of everything of what yeah. every existing being needs is uh, relationship and love. And so kind of viewing that instead of just like a force always affecting you or impacting you, being able to, it is a person, like you can negotiate with it or whatever and talk with it and bounce ideas off of each other. Like it's not just a force acting upon you. And that, that kind of opened my eyes last night. I was like, I've never really thought about it that way. Because yeah. uh, because called when you hear Holy Spirit, like you kind of think of it as a force rather than a person. Yeah, I actually, there was a, where was this at? He may be one of my classmates. I can't remember if it was at RTS or somewhere else, but I met, there was someone who um, actually dropped the, was when we talk about spirit he 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 would not say the holy spirit he would mm-hmm. say holy spirit he would mm-hmm. treat it like an actual per like i was like why do you do that he's like well we don't say the jesus we don't say the father like mm-hmm. he's like no it's father son and holy spirit mm-hmm. and i was like well, that's interesting but he was just t- kind of taking it at that next level even trying to reflect that the 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 personhood of of the holy spirit by not even using the in reference to so anyway mm-hmm. and last night in the book uh dane kind of lists out a bunch of things that the holy spirit does some of them being empowers us with gifts leads us makes us fruitful uh enables us to kill sin so he talked about those things and he added one at the end he said these are all gloriously true in this chapter i'd like to add just one more to this list the spirit causes us to actually feel christ's heart for us and we kind of talked about last night of it causes us to feel Christ's heart for us, but there's moments in our lives and a lot of moments in our lives where we don't feel that. It's not that emotional high of right when you get baptized or emotional point in church or anything like that. Sometimes it's you're going through and suffering things and you don't feel his presence and how um, we can kind of get through those periods in our lives. Yeah. I like. It. I think for me, like I love the fact that he highlights that one of the roles of the spirit is to bring these ideas these doctrinal truths and things that we would read about with respect to christ in the scriptures 
and and apply them, let's say, personally to us, so they become a, an experiential reality, so mm-hmm. that we might actually feel God's love and feel God's grace, and, and th- those things would be tangible to us and not just kind of ethereal or abstract ideas. Um, and and I do think that that's important, and I do think that as as Christians, we should desire to have those kinds of encounters with with God, and that there is there is um, there is the promise. For example, that that God will give comfort to His people, and and, mm-hmm. and and that comes to us through the Spirit. But coupled with that is also the question: Well, what do we do when we don't experience God in those ways? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in in a lot of writings, they'll, they'll talk to it; they'll they'll refer to it as the consolations of the Spirit, and and it's this idea that that God will console, God will um, send us tangible. Um, tangible and experiential ways so that we can know okay he's here he's with me he's i'm not alone but then there's also this uh phrase that's talked about where they call it the dark night of the soul and it's where those consolations seem to for whatever reason not come mm-hmm. so you might cry out for them you might be seeking after them you might be in a really low time of of difficulty and suffering and hardship and crying out to god and yet those consolations don't come and so then you might feel as though God has forsaken you, that he has left, that he is not paying attention, that he does not see, that he does not hear. Mm-hmm. And then the question comes, like, well, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where I think it's important to kind of have have a certain balance where it's like, okay, so the Christian life and walking with, with Christ and being a child of God involves feelings. Mm-hmm. It involves our sense of, our, our tangible sense of his presence and his his comfort and but on the on the other hand it has to be more than that Mm -hmm. Um, because faith calls us sometimes to i think walk in those through those seasons or in that what we call dark night of the soul where it's like we're trusting god even though god is not giving us experiential consolations Mm -hmm. and so there's a maturing aspect to that and i think um uh, a lot of people can get shipwrecked in that you Mm -hmm. know Because I know for myself, like when I first came to know Christ, man, it was, there was like consolation after consolation. Like I would pray and God would answer prayers. I would, like I would tangibly feel his love in ways that I still do, but, but the, but it's not as often, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, and I don't think that's a bad or bad thing. I think that there, there's a, there's a maturing and you can see it in the way you relate to your own children. Mm -hmm. Like you never stop giving affection to your children. But there's seasons where it's like you you want them to grow, you want them to to be able to to have um, an assurance, like not self assurance, but assurance mm-hmm. without you needing to constantly reassure. Right, it's and like- and kind of going off that too, we were we were in a small group a few years ago, and our leader we were kind of talking about the same topic, and he talked about he at this point he had been married like four or five years, mm-hmm. and like. There's mo- like obviously your wedding day is that big emotional high and there's other big yeah. emotional highs during your marriage but a lot of days like you're just standing next to each other doing the dirty dishes <laughs> like there's lots of seasons like that where it's like I'm still in love with you but we're just cleaning like food off dishes right now and that's yeah. kind of how he described it of you're going through life and there's seasons and growth periods like that and we see all throughout the Bible pretty much every character and we're talking about Habakkuk right now um, in that sermon series like lots of and every character cries out where are you lord like they go through season and suffering and um it's a very big portion of the bible recognizing that this is not perfect we're not meant for this broken world at all well and you mentioned 
mentioning Habakkuk in the Bible itself more more broadly, I think that's that's an important aspect. I think of how the Spirit oftentimes guides us, mm-hmm. um, and, and and it's important. I think now, especially we we live in a time where we tend to be more driven by how we feel internally mm-hmm. um, about things, about ourselves, etc. And so there can be a certain danger in that theologically because you might think, well, well, I, f- I feel this way and I feel like God helped me to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And that can really lead us astray, you know, in, in terms of our understanding of, let's say, theology. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, I feel like God wants me to do this. It's like, well, what you want to do kind of goes against these 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 instructions that you might find in Scripture. It's like, yeah, but I really feel like God wants me to do this. It's like, well, hold on, let's... <laughs> So we're, and I think it's important too, because like, so uh, in theology, you talk about the fall, right? Sin. Mm-hmm. And there's the, what's called the noetic effects of sin, which is the, the effect that sin has had on our, our ability to reason, our capacity for thinking. But in the same way, it's affected our emotions, our hearts. So our thinking, our reason, our emotions, all those things are distorted and twisted. And so when we talk about guidance, you know, from the spirit, you, you, you have to have those things in mind and then fall and ultimately fall back on the scriptures as being the the, the true guide, mm-hmm. that, you know, to help help us kind of navigate the complexities of of living in a, in a broken world with still experiencing the results of sin, and trying to figure out, okay, how do I how do I hear? How do I tune myself to the voice of the Spirit? How do I follow the Spirit? How do I experience God? But how do I do those things in ways that that are aligned with Scripture, you know, so that I don't end up um, falling into one error, which is what's well, all my head knowledge or the mm-hmm. other where it's all what I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to have sermon series and hear that constantly of there's going to be brokenness and suffering in your life. And it can be downer, but realizing that we're not meant for this and that everything will be made new is kind of the hope that we have at the end of kind of hearing all those yeah. Debbie Downer sermons or reading about it. But <laughs> I know there's, I call them hype beast churches of like, they feel like they have to pull out like emotions every single Sunday and convert people and everything like that. And like, it's good and you need those seasons in your life for sure. But also like there is reality of suffering in the world. And that's not like you can only pull yourself up by your bootstraps when things are going wrong or you can follow the 10 commandments and be perfect. Like that's, you know, it's impossible for us. We're, we're very broken, but realizing the hope that we have of being made new um, and a new life is, is kind of what drives us. Um, And have have you ever felt like, um, cause sometimes like, I mean, sometimes you're just not feeling it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and that's something I realized like, and, and it can be just as detrimental when you're, when you're in a context, that's let's say, I don't know, would you call them hype? Hype beast. Hype beast. <laughs> like you're in these overly emotionalized contexts and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, so it's like, no, we shouldn't be, you know, like door, like dead is mm-hmm. like stiff wood and yeah. you know no emotion. But on the other side of it, it's like, if there's an overly expressive, that can be just as damaging. Cause mm-hmm. now it's like, well, I feel like something's wrong with me. Cause I'm not feeling this deeply. I feel like, and I mean, have you ever experienced that where you're, where you're, oh, yeah. oh, where you're yeah. in a service and you're just like, I'm not feeling this. And you feel like this pressure to, mm-hmm. to fake it, yeah, you know, so that you can either fit in or because you feel somehow like you're spiritually inferior to everyone else who's around you. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's just not, that's not a healthy way of, um, being discipled or discipling others. Exactly, so. exactly. We can kind of move on to the next chapter, which was chapter 14, Father of Mercies, and kind of talking about how 
um, our main topic was thinking about God as kind of the grumpy old dad, um, kind of talking about God's wrath and where Jesus we always view as like more on our side and more loving where remembering that there are three persons in one and that it was actually God who initiated the plan to send his son to save us. And it's not, you know, us and Jesus against God's per se. Right. Yeah, I know. I, again, so my, my own personal experience was coming to faith in Christ. And honestly, like I, I had come to know Christ through the Spirit before I ever actually read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I just knew something in me had changed. I loved Jesus. I wanted to follow him. So then I was like, well, I should probably read the Bible. <laughs> right? So so I read through. I, I think I started the New Testament. So I read through that. And then I go back to the Old Testament. You know, and I'm getting through, you know, going through Genesis. And there's some there's some stuff there. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. But, you know, okay. You know, and then... Uh, get to exodus and and it's like okay you know here's god standing up for his people and then there's the he intervenes and frees them brings them out of egypt mm-hmm. and then they're wandering through the wilderness and and i'm just like okay i don't know what to do with this because he seems like he's a little angry and grumpy mm-hmm. and i really like jesus but i don't know what to do with with you know with this mm-hmm. and in my mind there was like a there was a division between the person of jesus and god as portrayed as we see it in exodus and i think and I think that's where we sometimes get confused, and at least I did, mm-hmm. you know, when we think about God as, as triune of Father, Son, and Spirit, you know, one being three persons, Jesus being the Son, and what we're seeing in the Old Testament typically gets kind of described as the Father. Mm-hmm. And um, But then I started to kind of read it with maybe a different eye, and I was like, well, interestingly, Moses never had this perspective of God that I seem to have. Mm-hmm. Like Moses constantly viewed God as the one who saves. He mm-hmm. viewed God as the one who is who is the the father of mercies. He viewed God as the one who is for his people. He viewed God as the one who is faithful to keep his covenants. He viewed God as the one. So I was like, maybe maybe the problem's not with Exodus. Maybe the problem's with me. Mm-hmm. And and maybe God, as he's described here, isn't that different than what we're seeing in the New Testament with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the issue's not there, but with me and how I'm understanding and reading it. Yeah, a perfect example of that was when Moses was kept out of promised land because he struck the rock and gave him oh, water. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, at, like, re- I'm reading through that right now, too, and it's like... <laughs> He had to put up with so much crap and just like, I, I, sometimes I have a short fuse. I would have been banned from the promised land like a day in, like just, I would have struck the rock right there. I and just, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I remember the first time I read that, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. He went through all this stuff. Like people tried to kill him. Like they were trying to straight up kill him and he came, he used to see it. He's like, oh, there it is. There it is. Looks I'm like, going. It's like, come on. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Exactly. So <laughs> realizing that it was all part of the plan and yeah. part part of the father's plan with that is um, you, you have to learn that for sure. And it's it doesn't come natural realizing that at first. <laughs> well, and, and like, and that's the thing the study drives home is like it's not that like when Jesus comes and lives and dies for his people, it's not like that was his idea. It's like that was the plan from before the foundation of the world that mm-hmm. that. that God, as Father, Son, and Spirit, had had determined to bring about. And you mm-hmm. see that, for example, in Ephesians 1. Um, the text we looked at last night was in uh, John. I'll tell you to draw down the chapter. But <laughs> it's, eight. Was maybe, it 8? Maybe 8. I, forget I can't remember. Too. I should know this. I'm totally <laughs> drawing a blank. But it's, it's where they, it's, it's, it's a chapter in the Gospel of John where they draw this idea, this notion that there's the, a covenant of redemption. Mm-hmm. 
and you hear Jesus saying, hey, I've, I've accomplished what you sent me here to do. Mm-hmm. And so and then he, and then so what we're seeing there that there's this, you want to say an agreement or a pact or these word covenant that existed within the Trinity itself before the creation of the, of the world to bring all these things to pass. That ultimately, like Ephesians says, you know, in love, so before the foundation of the world, we were predestined in love to be adopted as sons and daughters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's that what we're seeing there is the, the heart of God, the, the motivations of God, the disposition of God mm-hmm. as, as the, like what he talks about in the study, that as the father of mercies. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, these two points that he made in the book right here, a correct understanding of the triune God is not that of, that of a father whose central disposition is judgment and a son whose central disposition is love. The heart of both is one and the same. This is, after all, one God, not two. And then he goes on to say on the next page, Jesus is the embodiment of who God is. He is the tangible epitomization of God. Jesus Christ is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. So realizing that they're one and the same, it's not just us and Jesus against the angry father of God. Right. (laughs) And it's not a new, that's not a new era. Like there was a guy named Marcion a long time ago who was like, I don't know how to make sense of the new. So he just like basically discounted the Old Testament got rid of a lot of the texts that were considered important within within the church and kind mm-hmm. of had a very narrow um what he would call canon that excluded much um for that same reason he he was influenced by certain other philosophies and stuff but nevertheless he's like these are two different gods mm-hmm. and he's like and this one's not good and this one is it's like well no that's that's not that's not how jesus interacts with him like jesus is the one who says he's the father teaches us to call him the father teaches us to relate to him as the father it's like so clearly maybe the issue isn't with what the scriptures are portraying, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe they're with us and how we're understanding and reading and interpreting and um, you know because I mean let's be honest like no one likes to be called out on their junk no never and it's like and it's like and you here's a holy God who 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 desires to dwell with his people and in dwelling with his people our sins become more evident and revealed. And either we press into that in repentance and faith and trust and, and receive mercy, or we harden ourselves and we resist, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then we, we incur, you know, the, the scripture to use the term wrath or God's judgment. Um, and and so we get, you know, we get our feathers in a ruffle because, well, like I want to be in charge. And who are you <laughs> to tell me how to live my life? I can oh, do what yeah. I want. I'm a grown man. I do what I want. It's yeah. Like, well, Maybe maybe that's the wrong way to think about life. <laughs> Especially we're, we're we're both only children, so we definitely think about that. Yeah, oh, we, gosh, we want yeah. all the decisions. It's all about us. <laughs> well, it's because you know we're we're awesome. Like yeah, as only, exactly. as only children, yeah, it's like yeah, we're, we're awesome. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> See exactly. that? That explains a lot, right? Yeah, so it's I, right know, there. I know you know. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. oh yeah. I can oh, just yeah. say I was an only kid, and people are like that explains a lot about so you. much. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we can wrap there. This was great. Uh, great little episode with the boss man out of town. So we'll have to keep doing it. Yeah, man. I'm happy to uh, come back and uh, do this again. Sounds good. We'll see you guys Sunday. All right.